Welcome to The Spirit of Success, a podcast hosting honest conversations for people who want to show up and work in life to create their own limitless realities. Each week, we deliver spiritual inspiration from real people, sharing their stories about authentic living from the road less traveled. Now here's your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. Hello, and welcome to Spirit of Success, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Tracy Debbie. Just wanted to welcome you to a new episode for season two. Um, This is also the first episode that I am recording since the death of my family cat, Angie, and um, she's 15 years old. If you don't follow me on any kind of social platform um, where I posted about it, she meant a lot to me and my family. I'm 30, so she was literally alive for half my life. And I wanted to just dedicate this whole season to her memory um, because she was very important to me. So I just wanted to say that on the show, I am dedicating this whole season to her memory. Um, This episode is such a good episode too. I have my friend from Manchester in the UK, Bryony, on. Um, We just clicked right when we started talking. Actually, Bryony was talking to me about meditation and breath work and how it helped her on her journey. After chatting with her, I realized that we had so many similarities dealing with um, burnout and fatigue and overwhelm and all these things that, you know, are becoming something, unfortunately, that's more common. So I wanted to bring her on the show so she could share her journey on how she was able to manage and cope with those things while also taking steps um, towards moving forward. And she's actually dedicating her life now to educating more people on these topics, which I think is so important. So I wanted to bring her on on the show so we could spread the message far and wide. So without further ado, here is the episode. Bryony, welcome to Spirit of Success, the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today from the UK. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. Yeah. So you're um, based in Manchester. Is that correct? Is, is that correct? It is indeed correct. Yes. <laughs> Manchester. Okay, cool. So we know each other because we were, we are, we're <laughs> both Proctor Gallagher consultants. And um, what's really cool about that network is that people are from like all over. And generally we have same interests if we're in that program. Uh, but I really resonated with you. I don't even know why. I think we just sat beside each other one day during one of the lunches and we were talking about meditation and I just loved the way you talked about it. And then hearing like where you came from to where you are now, I was like ultra fascinated. So can you maybe just tell us your story about what you studied in undergrad and how that got you where you are now? And I know that's a big task, but. Okay. So I guess I've done a few different things, but I really love this Steve Jobs quote that you can only connect the dots looking back. I actually studied physics at university and then I went on to do a history of science masters. Now, I've often say to people like, I love physics, but physics doesn't love me in terms of (laughs) I'm really bad at maths. Like I could, I could understand higher maths, but I was just so crap at actually deriving things. And I remember in particular being sat in one lecture and we were working through a load of, it's an electromagnetism course or a module. And I remember turning to the guy sat next to me and going, 
do you know what this actually means? And like pointing to the, <laughs> the formula that we were looking at. And he's like, I don't think we're supposed to really know. I think we're just supposed to derive it. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, and, and for me, I'm always asking why, why, why? <laughs> and I've always been asking why ever since I was little. I remember being a little kid and being sat. Um, I actually grew up in Hong Kong. Um, so, I mean, in Hong Kong, um, so it's there across the 80s and 90s. And uh, you have this amazing mix of like East and West coming together. So I was kind of exposed to Eastern philosophies from a young age. And in Hong Kong, across a lot of a lot of the world, you get these mishmashes of different cultures, religions, um, schools of thought coming together. So I was already exposed to Eastern, Eastern philosophies like as a young child. And I remember my dad, um, he would often ask me these like bigger, deeper questions. Um, I remember him saying, you know, how do you describe the color blue to someone who's blind? And and I was like a little kid, like mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What is color? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, And just these sort of bigger, deeper questions. So uh, I I also felt this, this sense of yearning and when I say like trying to remember, that's how I feel like now. Whereas I think in the past I've felt like lost and and my intellectual pursuits were me trying to find some kind of truth or understanding to get a sense of the world or the universe to understand. To It's almost like this existential angst, you know, it's mm. like to soothe myself with intellectual knowledge. So it's like pursuing that hungrily. And I went on to do a history of science master's because... I was interested to think of science understanding it's a belief system. You know, it's a constructed body of knowledge. And the reality is it works, but there's also belief systems connected to that. And as human beings, obviously we have the scientific method, but we have, you know, our emotional drivers and our worldviews, our paradigms, um, which influence greatly like our perspectives. So studying a history of science masters was so fascinating to go back about the, basically the history of ideas from natural philosophy through to modern science. And and then after that, it was the recession, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do because um, a lot of physicists go on to work um, in industry or finance. I didn't want to work in finance and I just, just like don't know what else to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> I found myself working in bars like all good graduates should. Um, I did a lot in bars all the way through university. Yeah, I just kind of fumbled my way through, fumbled probably a really weird word to use, and I stumbled my way through like sort of my early 20s. I ended up falling into digital marketing and actually um, really enjoyed it. And I did end up, a question that I don't know if you ever get asked this. I know that you obviously worked in a vocational um, degree and, and worked as a chiropractor, but something I often hear is people go, oh, it's such a shame you're not using your degree. Mm. Mm. Do you use your degree? Uh, and I think anyone who's gone to university or done any kind of education, you know, that's not just about the intellectual knowledge, there's so much experience that you gain over time that's really useful. So yes, I do did use my degree <laughs> during my digital marketing career. But yeah, that was kind of like my, it's almost like my first life so in more recent years I was like living and working in London and I basically ended up suffering from burnouts and feeling extremely stressed and anxious but I'm a master or certainly was master at hiding my emotions Mm, like a cat Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I'd really been sort of conditioned to 
expressing some emotion is okay, but beyond a certain point, no, not really. <laughs> and so I didn't really know how to express those emotions. They kind of freaked me out. And I ended up just, I remember having panic attacks all the time, but not even knowing what they were or the, what even panic attacks were. And that really marked the start the start of me needing to be like, I need to do something about this. And I was yeah, living and working in London and it's one of those things on paper, you think, oh, well, you know, everything's great in my life. What am I so upset about or what's causing me these problems? You know, I've got a lovely boyfriend. I've got a good job living in like one of the most amazing cities in the world, like a whole bunch of nice friends. I was playing in sports teams. But yeah, I was just basically just running away from my feelings. Okay, question. Did you know that at the time or is this just based on self-reflection? I had a sense of it because I would make myself busier and busier and busier until I barely had a time to even breathe or stop. And I would sort of almost like collapse at the end of my day and get into bed. So at the time, I just considered myself a high energy person with lots of interests. But it was actually one of the very first few insights I got when I started meditating was, oh my God, I'm just trying to run away from all this. I remember... Um, just before I started meditating, I hated weekends. I hated them because it was this yawning gap of nothingness and just me and me. And I was like, oh, anything but this. And I remember once my boyfriend was going off to play a rugby match and I remember feeling like a needy child. And I remember feeling like when I was a little kid, I don't know if you've had this where your parents might be going out for a meal and you're really young and you're like, don't go. <laughs> and I had this sense of like, don't, don't go. And I thought I can't be saying to him, like almost down on my knees, begging, like, please don't go. <laughs> the anxiety was so intense. And at least if someone else was there, I could distract myself. And I thought I can't, I just can't be on my own because um, it's excruciating. So that was really starting to think like something's got to change. So when you say it's excruciating, do you mean like the fear of being with your own thoughts? Mm. It was the thoughts and the feelings, but particularly the feelings. Like I'd sometimes have this sense of either there's this like giant tidal wave and like you're going to be consumed or another time I remember particularly with panic attacks, feeling like I was a tiny mouse and feeling like I was just terrified and and it's so interesting now because I, I so far, it's not a feeling I can connect to or identify with anymore. So I can look back with it almost with warmth, you know, and like, that must've been really hard, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> tiny briny mouse, <laughs> <laughs> just the, the sheer intensity. And it's just, just all the emotion it's, it's got to come out somehow. And it's just, it's building up and building up. Yeah. That's so interesting because I remember too, when I first started on this journey, I mean, I had physical pain, but there was also an aspect of it. Like, you know, I talked about this in one of the first podcasts, like I didn't, if I had the urge to go to the bathroom, I would hold it. Like I wouldn't just go to the bathroom. And then I didn't really recognize what that was signaling to myself. So what I realized on this journey is we're, we're taught to feel like three feelings, the urge to pee, the urge to poo and pain. <laughs> and like, cause people think that toilet training is about like teaching the kid how to use the toilet. It's not, it's about teaching them to understand that feeling means you have to use the toilet. Right. And then there's using the toilet, right. There's, that's obviously a part of it, 
but look how long it takes us to learn that feeling. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm reminded a good friend of mine, her little daughter, when they were toilet training, uh, her little daughter said like, mommy, I've got a headache in my tummy. <laughs> and she's like, are you hungry or do you need the loo? <laughs> yeah. And it's true what you say, like, even as adults, you know, being able to discern, like, what, what is the body telling you? <laughs> yeah, it's such a basic thing. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like so basic that you completely overlook it. But I don't think we take inventory because if we did, it probably just honestly overwhelm the shit out of us and we get nothing done about how many times we ignore things. So I literally had the urge to pee and wouldn't pee. That's like like 911, like red alarms, you know what I mean? In, this, in the sense of I'm not listening to my body. I'm not even aware. Like I just ignored that. What else did I ignore? Everything. So I relate to you in the sense that I ignored and my defense was armoring. You know, I just armored against everything. So I felt nothing. So I completely numbed everything out. So to your point, I got really scared too. It's almost like you create this this idea of what the emotion will be like and it's so big and so scary that you don't even allow yourself to actually experience it willingly unwillingly sure do because <laughs> like you said it's going to come out at some point but willingly is very different and I think the thing that really um, opened the door for me I was listening to some sort of podcast I was really into podcasts obviously <laughs> and um I don't know. I think it was an Oprah podcast. She had a guest on and the guest was some psychologist. And she said, any emotion that you allow to wash over you only lasts 90 seconds. And I was like, well, I've never heard that before. I can do 90 seconds of anything, really. Like it was that turning point for me. But I didn't relate it to emotions initially. It was pain. It's like, what if I just the word that's coming to my head is succumb. But what if I just like allowed the pain instead of like putting up walls against it? What if I just opened the door? And then I had that whole like 90 second idea in my head and I just started talking to my pain. That's what opening the door felt like to me. And I did that. And then that was the door opening that allowed me to be like, well, I'm going to, now I feel strong enough or I have more courage or whatever to open the door to emotions. And that's when like, <laughs> the floodgates just kind of opened I was like overwhelmed but in a different way not like a panic attack way like a you know when you go to the like slot machine and you just pull the thing and it's like and it just kind of and you're like what's happening that's sort of what I felt like <laughs> on the inside does that like resonate with you at all yeah and actually when you were saying about pain um so I also had a sort of myriad of health issues which I remember going to the doctors and and even to the hospital and having various um investigative procedures and things and no one could tell me anything of what was actually wrong and so for a long time I had a, a lot of underlying anxiety as well about being really fucking scared that there was something wrong with me that I was really ill and just being really scared of that. And then I remember, um, you know, this whole sense of like, there's something wrong with me, but no one knows what it is. And, and so that anxiety building. And then I started meditating so many things. So um, for example, I had a lot of IBS symptoms. I also had uh, dermatitis and I had these like patches on my hands. I remember one time one was so big and so red and sore. Someone thought I'd burnt the back of my hand, like not even listening to the signals of your body, as you said, and all that cortisol you know, and understanding the long-term impact of stress on the body sy systems. And 
it to me when I started um so I did mindfulness and I did a mindfulness based stress reduction course that was my sort of intervention <laughs> how did you find that like what led you to that if you remember yeah yeah sure I actually do really clearly remember so there was a few a few things that happened so I um I remember being just in a really bad place and my uh, mum and my older sister were like why didn't you go on holiday you know that'll be a nice thing try and have a break try and relax because I was also prone to overworking throwing myself into my work was a way to kind of numb also I realized that I had a big driver to try to prove that I was like good, decent, like a good girl, um, you know, and prove my worth, but it's coming from a place of like deep place of fear of not being good enough. So I remember people commenting on like my great work ethic. And then uh, it's like, I don't think it's that good. (laughs) (laughs) So you think the idea of a holiday, that's a really nice idea, like have a break. Um, But again, for me, those quiet times is when like everything would be the hardest. It would be like, or I'd be sat with all my thoughts, all my emotions, all screaming away. I remember being in the airport, going out to meet my sister and I was going to meet her in the country. We were going to, I think it's Cyprus. And I was in the airport and I thought, oh, I should get a book for the plane. And there was a WH Smith's, which is um, like a little um, shop in the UK. And I saw it and I thought, oh, well, see what they have. And there was this book <laughs> like shining out. Oh, um, <laughs> like what is that <laughs> and it's like the color of the book was like my one of my favorite colors so teal and i pulled out and it was a ruby wax book on mindfulness and i think it's called saint saint new world and i was like i need this book <laughs> and i was reading it on the plane and once i got to uh, meet my sister i remember i couldn't really do much because because anxiety was so high so all i could really manage was like being in the hotel room or being by the pool um, she hired a car. She can't drive. I had to drive. If anyone is super anxious and driving abroad, you'll know what a bloody nightmare it is <laughs> trying to do that. So I was like, this is not a good idea. Basically, I then remembered also um, doing some mindfulness meditation through work. And when I was a kid, I used to do breathing exercises with my mum and body scans and a bit of yoga. So I I got in touch with someone found out about a mindfulness-based stress reduction course and yeah signed up pretty much um when i got back i remember i've actually got a diary charting my time as i was doing it because i thought it'd be interesting to see um my thoughts and how they shifted it was really bloody hard um with the body scans my mind was wandering off all the time i thought this is boring this is stupid also my mind would spend ages just thinking about whatever food sex is your brain's just like desperately grasping for any kind or your mind any kind of entertainment almost but eventually uh through this course and i remember the woman jane she's so amazing who led us i remember her having a conversation with me before i started and she said what's your intention you know why did you sign up And I was sort of trying to sort of be like, I'm fine, but actually sort of struggling back with all these tears. And I said, I just, I just want to be able to relax, you know, just relax. That's all I want. Um, And she's like, well, the relaxation is more of a byproduct. Like the relaxation itself is not really the goal of meditation. Mm. You know, it's worth sharing now that this is probably going to be hard. And there's going to be stuff that's going to be coming up that you're going to feel a lot. And I remember just starting to cry already, like, oh, God. (laughs) 
And that's the thing with healing. We kind of, almost before I started um, this journey, it's this idea of it's going to be all roses and rainbows. and, and Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like snotty and <laughs> scary and tearful. and um, But it's amazing. And I, rem- I remember also clearly of being very, very scared of my own mind. Growing up, I picked up the belief that if you could hear, if you could hear voices in your head, you were crazy. And so imagine then <laughs> my own, you know, discomfort at hearing thoughts and multiple versions of me in my mind thinking that I was mad. And I remember recently thinking, oh, that's probably why I talked so much all the time. <laughs> <laughs> drown out the voice in my own head I was so scared at different points to look within really scared and I remember at the end of the eight-week course there's a whole day retreat and it was like a six-hour day of doing meditation and at the time that for me was like doing a marathon I was like bloody hell I don't know how I'm gonna survive um six hours and I was crazy anxious the night before I couldn't sleep once I got to the place, I found some of my meditation buddies. So we all had a bit of a chat and my hands were cold and like clammy. I was all like super anxious. And when we got into this really serene, lovely space, we have, everyone was going around the circle, sharing like their name, a little check-in, how are you feeling? And as the people were going around, everyone was sharing beautiful things. They're like, oh, I'm Bob. I can't wait for this. Like, what a lovely day it's going to be. So grateful to be here. And then it was going around the circle. My heart's getting like beating louder and louder in my chest (laughs) as each person's coming along because I was just like, I wanted to run. (laughs) And then, and I thought, what should I say? Should I say something that just sounds good? Should I just say what Bob said? Um, And then I thought, just be honest. And it got around to me and I just must have (laughs) looked really tense. Um, And I just kind of blurted out like, I'm really nervous to be here. I feel really anxious. I don't want to be here. I'm really scared. And they were like, thank you for your honesty. (laughs) I remember just being terrified. But as the day wore on, it was just um, amazing. And there was this one moment that really stood out, which was we were doing this body scan and then we were invited to bring our awareness, our attention to our chest, to our heart space, and then to see if we could feel our heart beating. And in that moment, I felt this, I was kind of scared, but I kind of went there and I could feel, suddenly I could actually feel my heart beating in my own body. And so some people may be like, yeah, whatever, it's no big deal. But to me in that moment, it was one of the most beautiful things I ever felt. And this deep connection to myself and like the aliveness of this body. And I remember these like just tears of gratefulness, joy, happiness, like whatever, just streaming down my face and thinking how, how utterly beautiful that was. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Meditation is so subtle and everyone's like, what's the big deal? But um, this is why I then trained as a meditation teacher, because um, to me, it's just been one of the most transformative tools in my whole life. I love that story. And I love the part at the end when you mentioned about like connecting to yourself, like your heart beating. I remember doing that too, like, and even recognizing the fact that I just wasn't breathing. Like I used holding my breath as a strategy Like when I was uncomfortable, like severely uncomfortable, like emotionally, not anything else. Well, actually everything. I'm just going to be honest. When I was uncomfortable, full stop (laughs) Um, or comma, I would just hold my breath as like a compensation. Like that was my body's way of like protecting to just like not breathe, which is like amazing that I was even really like alive and walking around. 
because I was like, how is this even possible? And then I noticed that I wasn't the only one, like so many patients in the clinic just wouldn't breathe. And again, you like, you tell them like, Hey, you, you're not breathing as efficiently as you can. And they're like, it's like news to them. They're like, Oh, you don't just breathe with your chest. And I was like, you have a diaphragm and that's literally its job. People were not used to sending their breath down here. Um, and this is just like, again, purely physical at this point. Um, this is like way when I started, I was just looking at things physical. And I even noticed that I was like, well, that's interesting. I wonder why that's not happening. And something that I've learned throughout my studies and things that I tell my clients now is like different um, emotions are like kind of stored in different areas of our body. And think about the deeper you go in your body, it's kind of like the root of that emotion, you know? So they sort of stack on each other and the ones that are near our head here are the ones we tend to feel the most and be more aware of because they're literally here. It's kind of easier to ignore the ones that are here. So it's like, if you can drop into your heart space and then even get like deeper with the breath, which is why I love that you talk about meditation, that helped, at least for me, I can only speak from my experience, helped me really connect to myself, but also, okay, what is there? Because I'm guaranteeing it. I'm almost willing to guarantee this. It's not as scary as you think it is. Yeah, uh, I I really, really resonate with that. And this is what I love so much about, well, both talking to you and hearing about your work and your experience as a chiropractor. And I remember a few years back, you know, it's almost like there is a big sort of paradigm shift happening around people actually acknowledging like, no, no, emotions are like stored up in the body. Because for a lot of people, if you say that to them, they'd just be like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I think it's a bunch of woo-woo stuff. But actually, um, when you understand, as you said, more about the holding, the tension, like the physiology of emotions for me developing a greater body awareness has really helped to facilitate a greater understanding of myself as an emotional being but also this physical body and its needs and in addition to being a meditation teacher I've just trained as a breathwork practitioner as well and it really is just me essentially healing myself, <laughs> learning um, different uh, tools and techniques. And then the ones that I'm really loving, then it's like right training in them and then sharing them with the world. And for me, breath work has brought this whole extra dimension of body awareness and really highlighting I'm almost reminded of that quote about the tyranny of the mind, the intellectual mind, and how we, including I still am so much in my head, um, but we live so much in our head and identify just with our thoughts and almost see this body as just a thing that carries the head around. <laughs> Actually, there's so much wisdom um, in this body and I, I feel like that's just um, something I'm only just starting to open the door to. Hello, spiritual seekers and those who want to redefine success. Um, we have our mid-roll here brought to you by Patreon. And we have Bryony here who's going to answer one question. If you want to hear five more questions and find out more about her, um, please check out our Patreon and you can see that. So Bryony, hello. Okay, here's your question. If you could stay up all night, what would you do? <laughs> my, my mind's like, read? <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow, rock and roll. <laughs> Read anything in particular? Mm. I've just got a whole bunch of books that I haven't made my way through. I'm um, taking part in some breathwork training at the moment. So yeah, I'm just going to be really boring and, and say one of my breathwork books. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to hear more of her exciting answers, <laughs> please check us out on Patreon. Bryony, thanks for playing along. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, totally. And I, I, I remember I had my dark night of the soul experience too. And I remember that day so specifically because I had so much physical pain that I related to my body. And like, therefore, like on some subconscious level, like I am pain, you know, that was the correlation I was making. Does it make sense? I don't know. But at the time, it didn't matter. That's just what I was believing. And I think that's where I got to the point where I took suicide seriously, because like, that's a really not productive thought to have, right? But what I loved about the dark night of the soul experience is that I shifted from like a body identification to a spirit identification. So I was like, I'm not identifying as a body, I'm identifying as a spirit. So there was a point where I was like, well, then fuck this body who gives a shit, whatever. But then I was like, hold on. If it's true that I'm a spirit having a human experience in this body, then the condition of the body is going to determine how well the like spirit is. Like if you have a really nice memorabilia, right? A really expensive one, you put it in a really nice case, you protect it. That was my thought. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to take really good care of this body then because it encases the spirit. That is what I'm going to identify now as me. I am the spirit. Sometimes I've heard this too. And this is where I was like, I had to think for myself. I was like, wait a minute. Like if you just identify as the spirit, then the body almost becomes like, well, who cares? But that's what I loved about my job. I could never, I never allowed myself to get to the who cares because I saw people having their experience through their body. Like, yes, I'm a spirit, but I have the experience through my body. So as much as you can say whatever you want about it, it's your vehicle and you've had it since you were a kid, meaning all of those experiences that you've had as a kid are, guess what, in your body. And I think the thing that blew my mind when I first figured it out is we have memories stored in our body that we're not even aware of in our head. So like sometimes when something triggers you and you're like, well, what the heck is that about? It's because something in your body may have gotten triggered, like a stored memory. And our job, if we want to, is to become aware of what's going on so we can change it if we want. Um, and for me, that's why the work that we're both doing is so important. I'm realizing even more in like a different level. We talk about these like levels that we go through because if I, if you feel helpless, like I don't have the tools to do this kind of thing and you just ignore it. I think what, what we're both saying is you can try to shove it. You know, that's like, that's option one, right? Shove it, store it, numb it bop it, whatever <laughs> that thing was called. <laughs> you can do that to it. You can do all the kinds of things to it. Guess what? It is going nowhere. I want people to know emotions, energy in motion. You cannot create or destroy. You can only transform them. My suggestion for anybody who wants it <laughs> is to learn how to acknowledge them, honor them, transform them. That's the name of the game for me. And it sounds so simple and I'm making, I'm pretty painting this pretty picture. It's scary as fuck sometimes, right? It's scary as fuck. And you learn to trust and you learn about strength and you learn about courage and you learn about all these things along the way. And, you know, recently I just opened one of my scariest, I call them closets where I've just like shoved shit away in. And I knew it was the scariest one because it was the smelliest one, had cobwebs on it. I knew it and I knew I'd shoved things away there. Again, we all know to some degree, like it's not a surprise. Like, you know, I've talked to people recently who got like a diagnosis of cancer or some um, autoimmune disease. And this, the thing that shocked me, Bryony, is like, they were like, yeah, I wasn't surprised. Like once I got over the initial, oh my God, you said the C word to me and I'm devastated and uh, and they had like a second to, they were like, yeah, I wasn't surprised. 
Yeah, exactly. There's some sense of the body knowing and listening to you, two things are coming up for me. One is about faith and one is about snakes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, I'll start with snakes. So I've had a kind of lifelong fascination with snakes. It's something that even growing up, I remember my older sister just being horrified. Um, and we went when I was very young, um, must have only been like maybe about four years old. And we went to Singapore and they used to have a crocodile farm they had a whole bunch of snakes there as well and my older sister was terrified i was like oh my god like wanting to go and hug them and pet them and be with them i also remember when i was very young um a place where um we at a sports center that we'd go to and then we got told that the caretakers around the grounds had found a snake and that they had killed it and then so uh me and my other sort of like young friends everyone's like let's go and look at it and i remember just being so sad because they they'd cut its head off with a machete and I was like, it's so beautiful. Why, why did you do that? <laughs> um, and so I've always really loved snakes and I have a pet snake. She's called Marmalade and she's a corn snake. And the reason why I mention this is because um, when we talk about genetic memory, I love to bring up marmalade as a example. So corn snakes are native to North America. They have evolved or grown up alongside rattlesnakes. And even though marmalade, the corn snake, is, um, I don't know how many generations captive bred, when she feels threatened, she will pretend she has a rattle and she will whack her tail against whatever's nearby to mimic a rattlesnake. And that is genetic memory. So that's from her environment and from from copying other snakes. So she's in, interpreted the, you know, the actions of another snake and then that's been encoded in their DNA and it's passed down. So that's an example of how information from the environment, you know, it, it can then be passed down through DNA. So you see this in, in Marmalade the snake, you know, basically mimicking a, a rattlesnake, even though she's never been outside of Manchester. <laughs> and as you said, like your body may be having these responses or triggers to something, maybe it's not even yours, you know, and there's so much research coming out now when it comes to generational trauma and thinking about how that's passed down. And when you start to look at things through that lens, you have a hell of a lot more compassion when you realize like what we have been through as a humanity, like all the stuff that has come before us. And you chalk that up and you think, well, it's no wonder maybe if I feel a bit anxious. <laughs> yeah, right. And I love that. I mean, there's a whole field like dedicated to that called epigenetics, right? I think the danger zone that we're, and tell me if you agree on this or not, is that we've spent so much time identifying with the body. And now when we talk about mental health, again, people are just talking about the mind part. And I'm like, we're missing the fact that they are ever connected, if not the same. What I think is so cool is like, because your body has all these like memories and emotions stored here, it's basically your subconscious mind. Then, then there is no separation. Our subconscious mind is the thing that we take all of our basically orders from, right? And our conscious mind just acts on them. So it's like your body is this kind of gold mine <laughs> for how you feel about things. So it's like, well, people are like, well, I don't know if if I like this or I'm not sure. I'm like, like literally just go into your body or just tune into that, that channel of your body. Um, that's obviously easier said than done, but there's a whole process that I know you and I can both walk people through. It's like, this is what we do. It's like, you actually know how you feel. Consciously, maybe not, but subconsciously, you 100% know how you feel. It's like, you're like best friend in the whole world. They say something and you can see it's like on their face and you're like, come on, I just know. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing the thing. It's like, you're doing your thing again. And then they're like, what thing? And it's like, that's the subconscious mind. Our word choice is not by mistake. I'm not using these words by mistake. 
it's my subconscious mind that's coming out here. So something really helpful for me on this sort of like, I, cause I feel like we're talking about like getting to know yourself and these deeper parts of yourself. And then we're not really telling people like, you know, what we did and maybe we don't know, and maybe we do, but I know one thing that was really helpful was just writing, writing and just not stopping because my conscious mind will try to stop my subconscious mind because again, it feels unsafe. This is not something I've done before. Something I learned about the human body that's so interesting is, and I remember one of my mentors said this and it just like put a light bulb in my head. He said, everyone slips, but not everyone falls. And he meant it in a very physical sense because he's like, your reaction time when you slip is so fast. The athlete who trained you know, day and night, like they, they, they used, um, football players, um, runners, everyone who does something like really, really fast sprinters. They didn't even come close to the reaction time of a, I slipped, but caught myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had this experience, um, really noticing and sensing that fairly recently I was cycling, I love cycling and I was cycling on my bike through town and, I was kind of weaving through traffic and I very nearly caught the end of a car as in I just basically nearly <laughs> just cycled into the back of a car. I braked in time. I was going pretty slowly anyway. And I felt my belly just like contract so fast and hard and quick. It's like, whoa. And like, um, because I was moving fairly slowly and also my body awareness has really um, been enhanced over the last few years. Like I was like, wow, body, that was good. <laughs> you know, yeah. like straight away, like, and the reaction time was just like, it was, and it was so powerful to feel it and to notice it happening. I was like, whoa. Our bodies, con- the reason why I'm even talking about this is our bodies constantly scanning, like to see what's happening to keep us safe. I call it like gunk. If we have these unprocessed emotions, like I was never like this. Like I always had a pretty good reaction. Like I played sports and stuff, but it was never like, like this good. Like I'm so aware of like what my body's telling me. It's like, we have to clear all that. And this is just my opinion, right? We have to clear all that emotional junk gunk. And I say that like lovingly, the unprocessed stuff is sort of like kind of weighing us down like it feels heavy like I feel lighter you know like yes I've lost weight and that's just a byproduct as you said not my goal but I wanted to just like release myself of this ever heaviness like I used to get chest pain and people would would always like I I've actually been hospitalized for heart things before because I was like my heart is just like I feel so much pressure and you know they take you in right away and I haven't talked about that on this podcast yet but it's true um, people in my family have heart conditions so I got scared like as you said you know and I just felt this heaviness and I think it's that armoring that I used but yeah and for me it's even one step before that um, which is actually I was really disconnected from my body and I had a lot of fear around my body. And I remember, I feel like I went to a Dr. Joe Dispenza workshop and I'm pretty sure it was at that one. Um, and it just made me laugh and it really stuck in my head where he was like, uh, the body is not trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he does say that. <laughs> it made me laugh because I was like, damn, I'm caught, you know, in the past it's been so much fear and I was afraid of feeling. Then you start to mix um emotions with body sig- other body signals. So for example, <clears throat> what was a panic attack versus actually IBS signals, you know, in terms of like, actually, am I eating things that aren't um, gelling with my digestive system, which is also really just a symptom of stress anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually it gets to the point where it's just like, um, I still do it now where I comfort eat, but I'm a lot more aware and I'm asking myself like, what do I need right now? 
And if I've still done that inquiry and there's still some sense of like, I want to feel whole or warm or safe, as long as I've acknowledged that, then I'm like, go to town, go on then. (laughs) But before I was so disconnected even from my body that, you know, even connecting was scary. And then now I'm on the process of clearing that gunk, starting to trust my body, come home to the body, as I love to say, um, and then just starting to really appreciate it on a whole new level and to really sense what's here and work in partnership with the body with like reverence and respect rather than like fear and the body's there to just be pushed around and decorated and (laughs) into outfits that feel really uncomfortable. Uh, You know, so it's really honoring and respecting the body now. I love what what you said about partnering with your body because you know what's really interesting because I armored I armored from feeling anything my my body was just like a tool and I think that's why chiropractic sort of fit into my paradigm because I was like oh I use my body as this tool to do this work which is kind of interesting that I dug up recently actually very recently I'm like well that's kind of fascinating Um, I love that you bring up needs too because we have needs as humans right and so one of the needs that I've done research on is like pretty much everyone has this need for comfort as you say which is why comfort food exists which is why junk food junk I'm saying junk food exists because it usually has high fat content and high sugar content which we associate with Um, comfort. (laughs) So what I've actually been playing around with and has worked kind of brilliantly is substituting healthier comfort options for myself. So really asking myself, like, what makes me feel comfortable? And this is going to sound strange, but it's like a candle. Like candles, I just love, and I've always loved candles. If you follow me on any kind of social media, you know, I love flowers. So I have fresh flowers every week. And I really like cashmere, you know? So I do one of those things, you know, like even before bed, I kind of do my own like meditation and I just got like a silk eye mask. And again, those things bring me comfort. They're nice things. And that for me, I, I associate that with comfort. And since I've kind of made that a routine, since I've been doing that, I actually don't want like, those cravings for those foods are gone. And at first I did them because I'm my own scientist. I tell everyone that you've heard this on this podcast many times. So I did it three days a week and I sort of tracked how I was feeling and what I was eating. And I noticed that on the days where I did that, like I could, I just have like a tiny piece of chocolate and I was like, wow, I'm good. But once I gave myself the other things that made me feel comfort, my subconscious mind was good. And it wouldn't go to like any kind of strategy that I was used to. Like I realized that eating junk food or comfort food was just a habit too, right? So I was like, huh, wonder if I can change that. So I'm still in the process of doing that. I'm not like a perfect at it, but I noticed that the the junk food that I do have in my house, because I, I did still buy it, it lasts a lot longer. And so again, on when you're on this healing journey, I think it's like, just like progress, right? Like (laughs) I feel like a better person today than yesterday. You know, I'm making better habits for my future self, right? And that takes some time to get to. Um, If you're in the anxiety armoring stage, that's, I would say closer to the beginning, not that there's a beginning and an end to any of this, right? But that's something that I just recognize for myself. So you know how we talked about different levels of, awareness before and how you there's there's like different things that you learn I feel like on this you know particular part of my journey you know if you're on this podcast this is the first podcast I've recorded since the passing of my family cat and um, that was on just 
earlier this week. And so I have these up and down moments because I'm human. But what I think is really amazing is all this work that I've done. It's like, this is an opportunity for me to see sort of where I've come, like how far I've come, you know, I think I would have spiraled and I would have kind of gone back to old habits and like, none of that has like happening. Like, I feel like the best parts of myself have showed up, um, which has been, and not all the time, but a larger majority of the time than I previously thought was possible. And so one of the like lessons that I'm very clearly um, being asked to engage with again is on faith. And I am seeing it through completely different lens faith in the non-religious sense, in the sense that, you know, when I walk out my door, I have faith that people are not going to hit me with, with, with their cars or the security person's not going to let someone random in my building. You know what I mean? That kind of faith. So I was just wondering if you could talk about that on your journey. Yeah, sure. So thinking back earlier when we talk about when I was um, a little kid and I felt like I, even though I was sort of searching for something, I did feel like a deep connection to myself, but I know that that started to fracture or to be lost over time. And I remember um, feeling particularly lost in my teens. I remember being about 14 and being like, so this whole Christian God thing, let's give it a go because <laughs> this pain is real. Um, and if you can offer me <laughs> some kind of rest from this pain, I will sign up to your religion. And I remember going to confirmation classes, asking more why questions, typical me, um, and just kind of getting these answers that I was like, that just, I just can't buy into that. And this is just me personally, absolutely no judgment on anyone um, who is Christian or follows any religions. But just for me, I was like this, I just, I can't, I can't give my, I, I just was desperately seeking some some kind of connection to something. And I wanted a bigger picture view to put into context why, you know, I was going through what I was going and feeling so alone. And I thought at least if I had a connection to a God, to a religion, I would feel that that sense of wholeness um, or connection or safety and love. I just was like, I just can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't, it's like, I can't do, I can't just give myself over to this. And then it's only really in the last a few years, really coming home to myself, starting to connect the mind and body together um, deepening my meditation practice, training as a breath worker, uh, also doing a lot of mindset coaching, really starting to have these almost like reverent experiences, you know, where you feel this deep sense of connection to like the earth and to other people and your heart just like swelling with joy and basically nothing. You're just doing breath work and it's almost like a religious experience. Um, and the people who are listening who maybe haven't had that, it might seem a bit like, okay. Um, but it's just these beautiful, gorgeous, um, quite raw experiences that can happen. And you feel this like profound sense of connection. And to me, there hasn't been like a single moment where it's like, got my faith back. It's been this like reconnecting and a gradual um, coming to blossom of my like faith once more. And I feel so happy and so grateful to, um, I mean, it's like, I feel just at the very start. And it's like the more that you investigate and understand and learn and practice, the more you realize you don't know. Um, but it, I at least know that I am I am, I've likened it before being like a spiritual detective. <laughs> I know I've got a hot lead. I love that. Love that. I'm definitely that with you <laughs> for sure. It's like hunting out clues everywhere uh, or sometimes being at the spiritual buffet. Like, let's go and try that. Oh, let's go and try this. <laughs> but I, I just know that 
I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going, but I just know, I know that it is what I should be doing. And that sense of faith has been so rewarding to come home to myself, to start to trust myself and to start to trust life more. And so know that the universe has your back and that things are working out for you. Like these are big things that even now I'm still working with, you know, to, to have that deep level of, of trust. I, it's like, I trust myself, but trusting life, trusting the universe, it's stuff that I feel, but there's still conditioning there that gives me resistance. You know, it's, it has to be this holistic approach, like through say breath work and, and meditation and, and, and going into those feelings, you know, like feel, feel to heal. Love that. And then I think that um, one thing that is still something that, you know, we can all get better at is like faith works through action, you know? So it's like, you can do all of the work and then at some point it comes to a head and you are faced with a decision and the energy with which you make that decision with is everything. Like, I love that you said that trusting, you know, capital L life and trusting all these things, trusting if the universe has your back, people are like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's like that answer determines your whole life. Albert Einstein said like the answer to this question, I read this in, in I don't even know what book, your answer will actually de determine everything you do in your life. Imagine if you thought that we live in an unfriendly universe. That's, you're not going to have, it's not going to be easy to have faith. It's going to be very ultra challenging to have faith, you know? And if everything is kind of working towards you, um, also working for you, you know, it's like seeing nature. Um, I remember you and I talking before and you mentioned about how the, the, the resonant frequency or the frequency of nature is just one of love, you know, and that just growing in that we're in this symbiotic relationship, they're pumping out all the oxygen we need. <laughs> we're giving them the carbon dioxide and, you know, even animals like, um, really love dogs and like seeing dogs, you know, when they're feeling happy and when they're feeling safe, they just exude love. And imagine if us human beings treated each other or greeted each other in the way that we greet dogs. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, how are you? Oh my God. You're so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine like, and that's one of the things that I have like learned to really like just lead with love. I mean, you literally can never go wrong when that happens. And even, you know, through the passing of my cat, it's like, when I'm thinking about her and the loss, it's like the only things that were actually real is like the moments of giving and receiving love. That's what matters. You know, I'm planning on doing a video about this at some point too. It's like in that moment, it's like, I forgot about the pandemic. I forgot about everything. Like it didn't matter. And I was like, you know, feeling that four people kind of putting their love in one direction and like I said, yes, it was her body, but it was the body that housed the spirit that I grew to love, you know, us just channeling all of our love in that direction. You realize like no virus, nothing, nothing that could harm us could ever come here and survive. And I was like, we need, I need, people need, like, I feel like it's me also need to talk about that more because I don't think that there's enough attention on it. If we can shift our, like our decisions from fear to love, just like one or two, everybody, like these things don't have a chance, you know? Yeah, this is a big part of, um, so I have a coaching program called Changing Shells and it's all connected to an analogy around hermit crabs. Um, that's the story for another time. And um, a big part of that, I, t I start with this whole point about fear and love and how everything just comes down to fear or love and you can sense it in the body. So yeah, totally with you on that. 
Yeah, that's such a perfect way of saying that's what it felt like. Like, Bryony, I felt it so deep in my soul and in my bones. Like, I'm so sure of it, you know. But anyway, I wanted to, um, you know, kind of ask you if people want to find out more about you, um, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram. So my name, Bryony Gunson, and I also have a website, bryonygunson.com, the Changing Shells personal development program. And I also teach meditation. So I teach people to learn how to meditate as well as doing breathwork. So I coach people um, also using breathwork as well and run free breathwork sessions. So you can just um, find me online and come and say, hey. Yeah. And if you guys are thinking about doing breathwork, I mean, she said she's offering free classes, so you have no reason not to do it. I had a session with you last week and it was incredible. So if you're looking for like a safe space um, for someone to guide you, if you're new to it, or even if you're like a seasoned vet, like I've done a whole bunch of sessions. Uh, Bryony was great and very good at pacing and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed our session and I felt like it was so necessary. I didn't know what the next week was going to bring really. And I feel like it was, I don't know, in, you know, I, I felt like I was led and guided to have it in that experience. Cause I think some people, sometimes people think, okay, you know, I'm going to do my self-care after this big thing, you know, and I've completely shifted my perspective. That's something I talked about with my patients all the time. It's like, you do your self-care before, you know, and I think that's so interesting because we did it and it was so, you know, helpful and healing and cleared so much space. And then I didn't know how much I would need it just a week later. So um, it's one of those things that I can just now, even in, in this moment, actually recognize how helpful it it was. So if anyone's thinking about it, I highly, highly recommend giving it a try. And if you want to ask me or Bryony about it, please message us offline and we'd be happy to help you. Bryony, we could pretty much keep talking. There's so many questions I didn't even get a chance to ask you and held myself back from. So thank you so much for being here and we'll definitely have to do this again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Um, I really appreciate it. I wanted to thank you for listening. And I also wanted to thank Bryony for being um, my guest this week. It was such a good chat. And we had a chat after we recorded. That was really good too. I was like, we should have added this in. Maybe we'll have to have her back on if she's open to that, or we can do a down the rabbit hole segment. I also wanted to encourage you. She had some really good answers on her five questions. So check us out on Patreon if you haven't done that already. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate every single one of those. Like I said, I'm really excited for this season. There's so many different people that we have on the show. Um, so I can't wait to bring you an episode next week. Until we see you then, I hope you stay well, be well, and make it a great day. Bye.